Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the first sermon in our church's How to Receive God's Promises series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Good Sunday morning to you. My name is Chris Stallings, and I get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We begin a new series for the month of November entitled, How to Receive God's Promises. If you don't know this yet, God promises so much, but often we don't know God's promises or how to receive God's promises. Promises, And so this series will help us in some of those. We're not going to call, cover them all, but some of the promises of God and how we can receive those or participate in that in our lives. We've got a, a key verse. You may know this verse. It's a beautiful verse, encouraging verse. It comes from Joshua 1, 9. It reads, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's the the ultimate promise of God for those who put their faith in Jesus is God's presence with you wherever you go. On the mountaintop, in the valley, through the things you didn't even think you could get through, God's presence is with you. Today we kick off the series, How to Receive God's Promises to Break Through the Barriers. To break through the barriers. Well, what's the biggest barrier you've overcome? Think in your mind. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that guardrail I jumped and went, no. No, I don't mean that kind. Like something that kept you from the good that God had for you. And you came through that. Maybe one that had a, a big reward on the other side. I remember some of those lives, or some of those in my life, where there was a barrier. Some of it was through my own timidness, right? Afraid that it wouldn't come about. Anybody to ask for the first date? Yeah, it could be a, a challenge. <laughs> there was a time in my life where it was even hard to call back after the first date and say you wanted a second date, right? Like, what if they say no? Afraid to go on the job interview for fear they wouldn't hire you. Afraid to do whatever the challenge. Compete against the other team to do whatever is a barrier. I remember in my life, even my call to ministry was a barrier. It was both an invitation from God, but it was also a barrier for where the devil didn't want me and he doesn't want you to take the good that God has or to do the good that God would have you to do. I remember that Sunday when I was first going to preach, sitting somewhere in that area at the church I was at, not here. And during the time of worship, the devil, I mean, almost audibly began to speak to me saying, you can't do this. You're not good enough to do this. This is one that really started to get me. He said, I know all the stuff you've done, right? 
And so there's barriers to the things God wants us to do. And some of them are from the devil. Right? And I remember in that moment, I just said, get behind me, Satan. So if you're ever in that circumstance or anything that God's trying to lead you to and Satan's tempting you, or just say, get behind me, Satan. And I said, Jesus, I'm yours. Do with me what you will. And here we are, 14 years later. Satan's still fighting, <laughs> right? If you've taken a step, not always the barrier goes away. But I pray I'm still doing God's will. We've probably all experienced some level of barrier to God's best in our life. The nervousness to ask for the first date. The fear to submit a resume for the dream job. Or even to get the courage to go ask for a job if you were hungry or broke. Maybe you've been challenged to lead when you wanted to quit. Even times in the church when you may have felt like you were the only one there to do the work, to do God's work. What does it take to break through the barriers? What if those barriers are other people? What if those barriers are physical limitations? What if those barriers are those around us? What if those barriers are our thoughts within us? What if the barriers just, you can't get it done unless you get someone to help you? So how do we receive the promises of God and break through the barriers? Let's look at the Bible. If you've been coming here long, you'll notice that's our theme. Every time we talk, we look to what the Bible says. And today we're going to look to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament. And the scene we're going to look at follows after uh, the story of Moses. Many of you know the story of Moses. He was the one God selected to lead the people, the Israelites, out of captivity or enslavement in Egypt. You remember the parting, the Red Sea, and they went across... You remember? But if you know that story in the Old Testament, Exodus and other books around it, it seemed like the Israelites and Moses would be like two steps forward, two steps backwards, right? I mean, they would do good and then they would like give up, say, oh, God can never do this. He parted the Red Sea, but he could never, you know, and so they take steps backwards, either their lack of faith or even their rebellion to the point where they got close enough to the promised land. That's where they were going is to the promised land that God promised to the Israelites and they could, they could almost possess it. And so they sent out 12 spies to go see what strategy God might give them. If you know this story, only two come back with any hope that they could even possess it, even with God's help. The other ten said, there's no way. Right? There's all these barriers. We can't even get there. And they convinced the whole nation to just, <laughs> right, just give up. In fact, to the point where God told Moses and his generation they wouldn't be able to possess the promised land. But just the way they had ultimately not worshipped him in the way God was providing. And so the next generation, or God saying, hey, I'm going to give a new generation a chance to possess the promised land. And he did that through Joshua. And we pick up that story, that scene now, is they're looking to possess the promised land. But guess what? The barriers didn't just disappear. There's barriers of distance. They had to traverse that distance. There are barriers of enemies. Like people that said, uh-uh, you don't get to come in here. And then there were barriers of even like the river that stood before them that they would have to get across. 
So we pick up our story, our scenes now from Joshua chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verse 7. Go down through verse 17. I'm reading the New Living Translation, if you'd like to follow along with me there. Joshua 3, verse 7, reads, The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and then stop there. Verse 9, so Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely, he's among you. He's present with you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. There's a free something, everybody that can recite that back to me at the end of the sermon today. The enemy's just being, saying their names. Look, verse 11. The Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and the priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. Verse 14. So, the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, hear this, verse 16, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which was near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on into the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say... Well, in verse 16, we see the fruition of God's promise come about. By God's power, the upstream waters were held back like a, a spiritual wall or water dam that just stopped the waters. They began to back up above it, and the rest flowed on down, and they were able to cross on dry ground. It's the climax of this scene, but it's just the first of several barriers that the Israelites would still have to You see, in that first barrier, breaking through that first barrier, God fulfilled his promise, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Right? And they did. They had other bears that would be before them, the enemies, right? All the ites, (laughs) right? That they were going to have to face. But it gave the Israelites proof that God, if he says it, he'll do it. And it gave them the hope that if you have God's promises, you can know you have his power. And so with a heart that could truly believe those promises were God's to make and to keep, the Israelites moved across the Jordan to possess the promised land. Let's look now 
this passage in depth to how we might know and apply those principles in our life. You got your worship bulletin. I invite you to take it out or if you downloaded to worship guide on your phone to open that up. There'll be these points that you can take notes and know and apply to your life. Number one, break through the barriers guided by God. Guided by God. Verse 11 reads, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which the Ark of the Covenant included the, the covenant or the Ten Commandments or God's law. It was God's presence among the people. It says the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the Horth, will lead you across the Jordan River. That was the presence of God and that was their guide for life and faith. The Ark of the Covenant. To break through the barriers, it must be in this order. You guided by God. Not God guided by you. Right? You don't get to make the promises that God fulfills. God is making the promises and so it's you guided by God. Because there are things that God's saying these are not promises. In fact, these are commands that you shall not do. Right? You shall not lie, steal, or kill, or other do-nots. And those are there to protect you and to protect others and protect you from others. Right? And God said those are barriers that are of God. You're not to break through those barriers. Honor those guardrails in your life. But whenever you're guided by God to the good God has for you, God wants to guide you to break through those barriers. Through the temptation of sin or the nose of the devil and whatever it may be. The question is, do you trust God enough to go through those barriers to, to take those steps? Are there any people that hunt in the building? Y'all know what I mean? Like you go out and you find your food and that's what you eat? Y'all know hunting a little bit, some of y'all? Well, we did that a bunch growing up because I lived, as somebody said this morning, out in the middle of nowhere. And so that's all we had to do. Part of it was recreation, part of it was food. And there's this thing you do where you train dogs to go hunt for you. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> Don't know this? Where the dogs like can smell and see and they go out and find the game. And then whenever they find it, let's say a, a small game animal that climbs a tree, they'll stand up on the tree and bark. And there's a term we call treeing. So the dog is barking on the tree. And, you know, there's some game up there. Well, that's pretty easy to follow the dog to the tree if they're just like real close. Right? They're just right over there. And I, oh, okay. And I'll just take a step. But many times the dogs would outpace me or the people I was with. And they would be a long ways away. And you could just barely hear them barking. And so there's a barrier to us in that reward of the game. Distance. And sometimes, and this is the case where I live, there's usually a briar thicket. <laughs> right? You know briars? Sometimes there was a crick. Or a place with water. You know a crick. And sometimes there's a big hill. There's, we were at the foothills of the Appalachians. And those dogs would sometimes be all three. A long way away through briars, over crick. Over water and up a hill. And I tell you what, whenever we were training a young dog, there was times I'd be like, you know what, <laughs> that dog's been wrong more times than he's right. He thinks he's got something he don't. They've just thrown him off the scent and gone on. He's not got anything. And I'd be like, I'm going to wait him out or call off the dogs. You've heard that term. And just have them come back to me because I ain't going through those barriers for that dog. But I had one dog. 
Y'all gonna love his name. His name was Banjo. He got that name from my dad who loved bluegrass music. I didn't love it as much, but he gave me the dog already named. But Banjo was a good hunting dog. Boy, if Banjo barked, you better know there was something in there. And if he treed on a tree, there was something up there. And if it was on the other side of the thicket, I was going through the briars. If it was the other side of the stream, I was going through the water. If it was up a hill, I was going up the hill because I knew there was something there. In breaking through the barriers to the promises of God, you got to decide, do you trust God? I have to go through those barriers. Right? If you're guided by God and you're confident of that, do you trust him enough to go through the barriers? Because there's sometimes there's going to be water, sometimes it'll part, sometimes you got to get through it. However, the question is, are you guided by God or are you trying to guide God to the promises that you want? If they're God's promises, he'll guide you through those barriers. Your decision is if you trust him enough to break through the barriers guided by God. Number two, Break through the barriers connected to others. Connected to others. Verse 12 says, Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. Now, I mentioned this story earlier in previous books where the Moses and the Israelites had sent out 12 spies and 10 of them had come back saying, We can't even do it. Now, God's given a command to pick 12 to help lead the nation across this barrier of the Jordan River into the promised land. If you read the Bible throughout, if you look at the history of Christianity, you see there's a theme that you go at it together, not alone. Right? And so when God's moving in the church, when he's moving in the Bible, you see him gathering together people to do his will. And so you're invited to be connected with that. In the Methodist movement, we've called that accountable discipleship. Now, that's not me or someone else twisting your arm saying, well, you need to do this or do that, right? It's you saying, I want to be a part of what God's doing. I'll submit to God and I'll submit to others. Accountable discipleship. Christians are meant to be together, not brazenly independent. Ecclesiastes 4.12 reads, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, and three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Some of you need to write down Ecclesiastes 4.12 because you let a spirit of independence fight your submission to God and to his church. And it's holding you back. But hear this, this is not a command to be a part of a group that's experiencing analysis paralysis. Anybody ever heard that before? Right? It's this thing where we're just sitting there like, oh, I don't know if we've got enough information to move ahead. Right? Like you could imagine the people at the edge of the Jordan River, God's parted the waters and saying, come across. And they're like, oh, I don't know. My feet might get dirty in that. <laughs> you know, or... Anyway, I don't make light of it, but you know what I mean, right? There's sometimes we'd be like, God's providing, laid out, opened the doors, flung them wide open. You're like, well, I'm not sure if that's what God wants to do. And it 
analysis paralysis. And there's sometimes in our life where I make this joke about the Israelites. There was a kind of return to Egypt committee. Have you heard this before? Right? So they're going towards the promised land. And they're like, oh, but if we just go back and enslave ourselves to the Egyptians, we'd at least have bricks or something. You know? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? You're going to go back to that instead of the God's promises. And there's times when we're part of groups that are like that. Right? We just can't go because we're just, we're frozen. Analysis, paralysis. Or it's just better to go back. Let's just, at least we knew what we had back then. And if you're part of that, I invite you to work to bring God's inspiration to that group. If you're a part of people that are like that, I invite you to equip them to help take God's steps. But if in the end they're like, nope, we're going to stay stuck and never inherit God's promises, I invite you to find a different people, right? Pray for them, invite them, say, come on, we're going across the Jordan. But if they're going to stay stuck... You keep moving towards God's promises. God's work is too important for you to stay stuck behind the barrier of a bunch of doubters. Break through the barriers connected to others. Number three, break through the barriers. Take the first step. Take the first step. If there's a barrier in front of you, a lot of times the first step's the hardest step. Joshua 3, 14 reads, So the people left their camp. They had a camp. They had to leave it to start towards the promised land. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them on dry ground or went ahead of them. I'm going to show you a video of a guy named Derek Sivers who gave a TED talk about how to start a movement through that first step. Let's see if this video will play. Y'all watch this. So ladies and gentlemen, at TED, we talk a lot about leadership and how to make a movement. So let's watch a movement happen, start to finish, in under three minutes and dissect some lessons from it. First, of course you know, a leader needs the guts to stand out and be ridiculed. <laughs> but what he's doing is so easy to follow. So here's his first follower with a crucial role. He's going to show everyone else how to follow. Now notice that the leader embraces him as an equal. So now it's not about the leader anymore, it's about them, plural. Now there he is calling to his friends. Now if you notice that the first follower is actually an underestimated form of leadership in itself. It takes guts to stand out like that. The first follower is what transforms a lone nut into a leader. <laughs> And here comes a second follower. Now it's not a lone nut, it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. So a movement must be public. It's important to show not just the leader, but the followers. Because you find that new followers emulate the followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people and immediately after, three more people. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point. Now we've got a movement. <laughs> so. Notice that as more people join in, it's less risky. So those that were sitting on the fence before now have no reason not to. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, but they will be part of the in crowd if they hurry. So, 
Over the next minute, you'll see all of the uh, those that prefer to stick with the crowd because eventually they would be ridiculed for not joining in. And that's how you make a movement. But let's recap some lessons from this. So first, if you are the type, like the shirtless dancing guy, that is standing alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals. So it's clearly about the movement, not you. <laughs> okay, but we might have missed the real lesson here. The biggest lesson, if you noticed, did you catch it? Is that leadership is over-glorified. That yes, it was the shirtless guy was first, and he'll get all the credit, but it was really the first follower that transformed the lone nut into a leader. So as we're told that we should all be leaders, that would be really ineffective. If you really care about starting a movement, have the courage to follow and show others how to follow. And when you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first one to stand up and join in. And what a perfect place to do that, Ted. Thanks. <laughs> story from TED Talk is not specifically uh, religious, but it is a leadership principle. Taking the first step is sometimes hard, but by leading or by being the first follower or being the second follower or being a follower in the movement, you make it easier for the next person to take the step. To faithfully take your next step makes it easier for someone else to follow along behind you. To go through the barrier. As people of faith, as followers of Jesus, we do that every moment, every day, every Sunday. When you regularly attend worship, you make it easier for the next person behind you to attend worship. Whenever you give generously, you make it easier for the next person to give generously. So if you're married... I invite you to model or to keep modeling, going all in for Jesus to your spouse. If you're a parent, I invite you to take the step to read scripture and to pray with your children. If you're a teacher or a coach or a, a boss or a leader or a team or a group coordinator, model the step-by-step -step following of Jesus that you empower the next person to follow you through the barriers, through the mundane, through each part of our faith journey to those that are looking to you to help lead them in following Jesus. Break through the barriers. Take the first step. Let's pray. Father God, I pray with gratitude that you have invited each one of us to faith God, that you have made the promise of presence to all those who follow you. God, in the presence here now, I pray you give us the courage to be guided by you in every step. To, to honor the guardrails you've put up, but to be courageous. To break through the barriers. Keep us from the good that you have for us. Help us to be connected, to be accountable in our discipleship to each other. And that take the next best step that you've got before us. That you've got for us and that you'll use through us to draw others to faith, to purpose. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. 
we would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.